0: Spiritual authority um, being the framework of the church that we are planting. And then the attitudes, so the, those spiritual attitudes being the internal systems, almost what gives the vitality to the framework, what gives life to the structure, if you will, or the framework. Um, So we have worked our way down to accountability today, the seventh uh, spiritual attitude being accountability. But we've looked at uh, we have to be an obedient church, a humble church, a loving church, a church that preserves unity, a church that is willing to serve one another. And last week we looked at um, the need, a church for being um, a self-disciplined church. And every time we finish, we have this resolution, if you will, which, which are almost like statements that we affirm as a church when we plant. Um, these are things that we affirm because we see this from the scriptures and God's word compels us to resolve to, to pursue these spiritual attitudes or to resolve to, to cultivate these spiritual attitudes or to resolve to maintain or embrace these spiritual attitudes as a church. It's really, really important that we, we do this at, after, um, at the outset because this would be the culture of our church while, we were, while we're still like a few of us before the Lord adds on more believers and more people being saved to us, which He will if the Bible is true, since the Bible is true, I, I don't doubt that, but the culture needs to be cultivated from from the jump. And I will defer that for February 18th, as um, our brother Kobe will be here to speak about that, why it's so important to, to establish that biblically from the outset, which will save you a lot of headaches down the road. Um, so anyways, with that being said, our um, session today, we will be talking about the spiritual attitude of accountability. And those of you that were here last week saw that as we looked at self-discipline, we resolved to exercise self-discipline that would reveal the authenticity of our faith in Christ and be a witness to our community, right? That's what we resolved. That was, here's my question. If we're so self-disciplined, if this is our posture if this is the culture, the spiritual attitude we cultivate and embrace, what happens when self-discipline becomes, want us to kind of just have a conversation about it as well, um, what happens when self-discipline becomes too hard to do? What happens when the flesh gets too weak? Or the pressures of the world get too much to bear? Or the attack of the enemy is so deceitful and so overbearing on our lives to be self-disciplined. Like we can resolve to be self-disciplined and stand to be authentic believers, but what happens? How do we guard against the sinfulness of our flesh and the precious of the world and the deceitfulness of the devil by ourselves? What happens when our self-discipline falters? Or becomes weak? Or completely fails? What do we do? Has God made any provisions for this real problem, right? If, if anybody's honest, we struggle, I know I struggle to be self-disciplined. We all struggle to be self-disciplined. One of the things... I was looking at resolutions before New Year's and um, preparing for New Year's Eve service. The second Friday uh, of January is when 80% of people drop out of their New Year's resolution, according to some data and some some research. Like 80% of people who resolve to go to the gym or to eat healthy, to make more money, to do whatever, 80% of them, The second Friday of January. Why? Because self-discipline is a hard thing to do, right? To discipline ourselves is a really hard thing to do. So what happens as a church when self-discipline that we are so resolved in, resolved for, becomes weak or non-existent? Does God kind of just leave us or has he made a provision? And here's why... Accountability becomes an essential spiritual attitude. This is why the internal system of the church, uh, this internal system of accountability, as it carries out, the, as the church carries out its vitality, its life, by the way, each member and collectively of self-discipline, as it's willingly serving one another, Pursuing unity and love and humility and obedience. The spiritual attitude of accountability becomes essential. So before I go into what accountability is. You hear accountability. I want to hear from a few people. That's the first thing that comes to your mind. You hear in this setting. In the church setting. You hear of accountability. I kind of wanted to open it up for a discussion. What do you hear? Accountability. What does accountability mean to you? I see. I I didn't say what does the verse in the Bible mean to you. What does accountability mean to you?
1: Yes. Yes. I see it in two ways. And, um, maybe holding each other responsible to, to not sin, then on the flip side, holding each other accountable responsible to pursue that more. hmm So
0: it's on both ends. Both ends. That's good. That's good. Were you in my studies? <laughs> no, that's that's really what it is. I mean it's it's a nutshell. I mean he just he just preached the whole sermon. So we're done. We can, uh, we can just move on to the next thing. Yeah, nah, that's cool, man. That's, that's what I was looking for. No, it really is. Uh, what, what he said and what everybody said, is, it is true. Um, accountability is, but we hear accountability. Here's my other question. This is a question that I didn't plan on. I'm, I'm doing it on the fly to kind of just engage with, with everybody. So I have to actually form the, the question in my mind, right? <laughs> um, is accountability something that we enjoy? And why is it not something that we enjoy?
1: Colin. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yes. Does
0: that it does require vulnerability, yeah. Yeah. I think
2: you get a sense of like your moral compass has faltered. Yeah. And it's yeah. time to be vulnerable in front of another
0: person.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. When we're doing good, we're fine. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. right. Yeah. And and, th- and that's what happens in the church, right? And this is why it's so essential to to talk about these things in this kind of setting. And I'm so grateful that God has allowed us to have these kinds of sessions as opposed to like, hey, we're just going to launch and go into like a regular worship service and we're just going to go through a book of the Bible. But we're actually creating, not necessarily creating our culture, but we're exegeting, we're taking out of God's word what the culture of the church needs to be. Because we can really have this authentic kind of church that we are pursuing, a real biblical church, without having to hide, without coming to, to church and pretending like everything is fine when it's really not. Right? And and sharing those things and accountability comes into that. And we can actually have build genuine intimate relationships when we are this small. I don't know how many of you guys have been a, big, a part of a big church. 1,200, I mean, 1,200 is huge. 200 and 300 people in the church. And I'm not saying one is better or worse, but it's really difficult to really get plugged into a church that has a large group of numbers uh, members and really have authentic relationships with believers Because you only see each other once a week, maybe twice a week, unless you have smaller groups, unless you're plugged into like home groups and stuff like that. So bigger churches do that because accountability comes from relationship. Accountability is based on relationship. For instance, Samita and I are accountable for one another. Why? because we're married. So she holds me responsible. She holds me accountable. And I hold her accountable. And when she holds me accountable, I'm not going to just fly off the hinges and just try to hide because I know our accountability is based on a relationship. So in, in a church setting, the reason, I mean, this is not a research, but this is just an observation. The reason most people do not like being accountable to 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 the church community is because that relational aspect is lacking when that relational aspect is there they're even more willing to be accountable if they're true believers now if they're not true believers and they're they're still in in the world and they they're still pretending we we won't know if This is how you know the tears from the wheat, even. It's through relationships, right? So accountability is based on relationship, and accountability also flows because your your relationship is so deep. Your accountability flows out of concern. The reason why I'm being held accountable and I hold her accountable is because I'm concerned of my wife's well-being. And she's concerned about my well-being. Right? She's probably like so hot right now because I'm making her as a sermon, a, a sermon illustration.
1: Welcome.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I just want you to see the relational aspect of it and what it flows out of. It's out of concern. And we'll we'll take a look at it. It's not out of like Trying to pry into people's business and trying to like hold something over top of somebody's head, head, and trying to be judgmental, and those things do happen in the church setting, unfortunately, because we do live in a fallen world and no church is perfect. And admitting those things happen is the first step. Trying to towards trying to resolve it, and that's why people get hurt from, um, church hurt, right? So, if accountability is based on relationship and it flows out of concern of well-being of one another, then it's also taking responsibility. I think that's what uh, my brother Basu said, right? It's taking responsibility for ourselves and for one another. Here's one of the most misquoted, misinterpreted, Portions of scripture in Matthew chapter 7, uh, starting in verse 3, ver- 2, verse 5, and, and it's up there. You can turn to your Bibles there. But this is the Lord talking. This is a part of uh, the a Sermon on the Mount. Towards the end, the Lord says this: Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your eye? Or how can you say To your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Most people use this to justify their sinful lifestyle. You can't tell me nothing. Don't tell me nothing because you're a sinner just like me. You can't hold me accountable. What you mean? You lied yesterday too. So what? I'm sleeping around or whatever. Like, why are you acting holier than now? And they run to this passage. To that. A couple of things I want us to, to notice in this, in this passage. First of all, look at the relational aspect of it. Do you, why do you see the speck that is in, whose eye does it say? Your brother's eye. It's it's not in a stranger's eye. We're not just randomly going out in the street and then just finding the first person. that, Hey, if you don't repent, you're going to hell. Like, why are you doing, why are you smoking a cigarette? Why are you buying this liquor? Why are you doing that? That's not what we're doing, right? There is a relation. And most of you in here either have brothers or sisters and know people that, like... and This this language is a language of a a family within a family relationship. So this kind of correction is happening. This kind of accountability is based on relationship, right? So it's, it's in your brother eye. Secondly, because... It's, a, it's based on relationship. What happens if you leave a speck in your eye for too long? Is that a comfortable thing? It's super uncomfortable. I mean, sometimes, like, my, my four eye, one of my four eyelashes go into, <laughs> into my eye, and it's like, until I get it out, I can't, I can't do nothing. Now, you can't ask me to do anything. I'm like, it's bothering me. Like, it's crazy. Like, it's not a comfortable situation. So the brother that approaches the other brother, based on their relationship, is concerned about the brother's eye. Like, your eye is going to hurt and potentially develop an infection even because of the speck. So I have this concern, is what this brother is saying. So look at it from that perspective. But what the Lord is condemning in this, in this place, or He's correcting, is we cannot do it as if we don't have our own responsibility, right? This is why the, the word of a hypocrite comes, right? And then there's, there's a corrective action. What's the corrective action? First, take the log out of your eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your eye. So, taking the speck out of your eye uh, out of your brother's eye was never off the table the way that the world wants us to believe it. The concern is there, the relationship is there. We just have to do it with the right attitude. So, if the relationship is there, and if the concern is real and genuine and we take responsibility for ourselves and one another, then we're, we won't be standing here as the hypocrites. This is the biblical attitude of accountability. As we notice the relationship what we're saying in here is in this relationship, as a church, as brothers and sisters, as who, because that's who, that's who we are. We're all in a family of God. Now, I don't see strangers. If you have received Christ and have believed in Him and turned from your sin, and we've been adopted into the same family. Shout out to Basu. Right. I've been preaching on adoption. So if we are all adopted to the same family, then we're no longer strangers. We're brothers and sisters. And in this relationship of accountability, then each person, when we say that we're uh, we're accountable, is responsible to take care of himself or herself. And one another. So it's not like I'm only concerned about taking care of you. I'm, no, I'm not only accountable to you, I'm accountable to take care of myself. And then, see, we usually tend to be on the wrong sides of the spectrum, right? We are so, so worried about ourselves and taking care of ourselves. As long as I'm praying, I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible, I'm attending service every Sunday, and I'm attending Bible study, I care less. what my brothers and sisters are getting into or doing. Or, I don't care less if I'm attending church or whatever. whatever. I'm in everybody's business. I ain't see you in a minute. Where you at? How how much you praying? Uh... We don't want to be in either one of those camps. We are responsible to take care of ourselves and one another. Because this is the command that we hear In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Who's figuring it out? Us. Who's us? Me and you. What are we trying to do? Stirring up one another to love and good works. Neglecting not to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together, as it is the habit of some. How does accountability look like? encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is what biblical accountability looks like. Let me stop here and ask what are some practical examples that you can think of that you practice this? like being being responsible not only for yourself but to others so first looking at what you're doing and still encouraging staring looking at yourself and yet staring up one another what are some some things that we can we can do Yes.
2: Um, one thing I've realized over the years within the church is different people have different things that, that stir them up. Some people are very conscious of like needs in the church. Yeah. Other people are very conscious of we should pray. Mm. Other people are very conscious of the holiness of God and yeah. how we should become conformed to those. Yeah. Things. So like bringing those to the entire church's attention yeah. seems to stir up the rest of us would not be as concerned about
1: these things, yeah. Even though we
0: strive to do this, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one one example that I can think of is if, if I'm going to ask somebody about their church attendance, like let's say a brother or sister don't see him for four or five weeks at church. And we're, we're concerned, right? That's because we love them. We're concerned. We just want to know where, where they've been. That's the only time that we get to see you. If we are going to be approaching them and say, hey, we missed you at church, or hey, how come I haven't seen you at church? We kind of have to be mindful of our own church attendance, for instance, right? <laughs> like, are we regularly attending church too? Or if we're going to counsel somebody about prayer, like we have to be mindful of our own prayer life. If we're going to counsel somebody about taking the word of God seriously and devotionally reading God's word, kind of have to be attentive. That does not mean if you see somebody about to jump into the fire, you stop and you calculate how, how long you've been praying or how long you've been. That's not what it means, but you do it knowing with that that's that's it brings you to humility it, the more i study the church anatomy and how this internal um, systems work the spiritual attitudes they just they just weave into in and out of each other right cuz when you're being accountable it requires you to be humble it requires you to be vulnerable it requires you to actually love somebody. Not just tell them that you love them, but actively love them. And that, that's hard work. And when you're accountable to one another, then your unity is coming together. And then your self-discipline is going to be encouraged even more. So all of these things kind of just tie into each other. They're not like independent to one another, these spiritual attitudes. Because ultimately, accountability also preserves the purity and, uh, and integrity of the church. Do we want to have a pure church? Not a perfect church, but the purity of the church is, is important. Like, we don't want to be known. The Remnant Bible Church, where everybody goes out to the club on Saturday and shows up on Sunday. <laughs> you know, like... we need to preserve the purity and accountability is the means by which we need, we preserve the purity and the integrity of the church I mean we see this played out in Galatians chapter 2 is, this is happening in between two apostles even uh, I don't think it's up there so you might have to turn to Galatians chapter 2 verses 11 through 14 it may be a familiar account to you guys. This is the battle of the apostles, Uh, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14, Galatians. So Paul is giving his credentials, if you will, to the Galatians, and in the middle of his credentials, he tells them, like, I'm so concerned about the purity of the integrity of the church. Here's what I did. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. Cephas is Peter, by the way. Uh, um, I opposed him to his face. Why? Because he stood condemned. Why? For before certain men came from James, from Jerusalem, where the Jews, the, the Jewish Christians are, before they, they, they came... To where he was, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. So here we see Peter, you know, not working hard for the unity of the faith. He's not humbling himself. He's actually n- not acting in a loving way to the, to the Gentiles. He was... Eating with the Gentiles one minute, and then his boys from Jerusalem came and he's like, uh-uh, I'm gonna switch up on (laughs) y'all. No, I can't, I can't eat with y'all. Because they're gonna, I'm, I'm afraid of what they would say, and and, like I'm I'm afraid of my my rep. So what does Peter uh, what does Paul do? He said he confronted him to his face. And the rest of the Jews, even not only that does Peter does this, by the way. Watch, watch this. The rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him. The whole group, the whole community is now not walking in integrity. It's com- the integrity of the whole community and the Jewish community is, is compromised. But praise God for, for Paul. And and he really embraced this spiritual attitude of uh, accountability. Because, But when I saw this, he says, that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. That's our litmus test, by the way. Is your conduct in step with the truth of the gospel? Not my personal preference. He didn't say, it's because I have a heart for the, for the Gentiles that I did this. Or it's because, you know, the Gentiles are people too. You know, it's not even... It's because their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. I said to see before them all. Before everybody. If you... Though a Jew live like a Gentile, not like a Jew, how can you face the Gentiles? To li- how can you force the Gentiles to live like a, like Jews? So he confronted him. This is the line that, that Peter then repents. We see in the next passages. So accountability is the means by which we preserve the purity and the integrity of the church. If, we're, if I'm not accountable to y'all, and if you're not accountable to, to me, and if we're not accountable to one another, as soon as we say amen this, this evening, we can go all, that's it. We can do whatever. And when people see us, they see people that are part of the remnant. They see people that, that are part of God's kingdom, even if, if, if you want to look at it from a macro perspective. And we're going to bring dishonor to his name. I remember when I was in college and played soccer, and then we had you know gear and stuff like that. Our, our, our team gave us. We were not allowed to go out to like any kind of social events unless it was school sanctioned, wearing uh, the school gear, especially if those events have any kind of compromising predicaments. Right, like if you're going to a party where there's gonna be drinking and whatever, you're not supposed to wear that. You're not supposed to take a picture with that. I remember a whole soccer team got in trouble one time because everybody was wearing that and they had recruits and people took pictures and posted it on Facebook. Because Facebook was a thing back then, right? (laughs) Not Instagram and TikTok. Uh, It's like posted it on Facebook. And there was like people like Bluefield Soccer. And then they got like a a can of beer in their hand and a bottle of vodka over here. And somebody's over here smoking and stuff like that. And uh, we got in so much trouble. We were held accountable. And we didn't hold each other accountable. We could have done that. Because it brings, it, it ruins the integrity of the school. That's ultimately what it is. It ruins the integrity of the school. I think the military has the same kind of principle, right? You're not supposed to be in uniform and do certain things that are compromising because it brings shame to, to the military. Even if the world can adopt that, how much more should we do as a church? And the way that we do that is by embracing and cultivating this spiritual attitude of accountability. Even to leaders, this is what Paul says to, to Timothy, even as a leader, even, even, even the pastors and the elders, if they, if they keep sinning, as for those who, pre- and, and you confront them, and they, they're not re- re- repentant, here's what you do to them. Those who persist in sin, rebuke them in the presence of all that they may, that the rest may stand in fear. Right? God has already designed this in His church, and we're just embracing it. So just because I'm standing up here, it doesn't mean I'm, I'm not subject to church discipline or accountability that you can't call me out. Because ultimately, what is the absolute authority of Scripture? Is the framework we live in. We live under. That's the non-negotiable. We, we will not compromise on that. And if that's what we're saying, here, here you go. I'm accountable to it. Every single one of us are accountable to it. And the reason why most of us don't like accountability, whether receiving it or giving it is because it's so confrontational and we live in a time and an age confrontation is not necessarily uh, uh, our, our forte. Confrontation is to be avoided by all means necessary,
1: right?
0: Because we live in a very relativ- relativistic society. So it's like, ah, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. As long as you don't hurt me, I'm okay. Just do you in a very individualistic kind of society. And so in, in that place, without even us knowing it, we're already backtracking from confrontation. We cannot stand confrontation. I mean, one day you'll have, well, some of us have kids, but one day you would have kids and you would see, how they struggle in, in, in times of confrontation, and maybe that's you, because the culture has so become a part of our identity that by all means necessary, and not some confrontation needs to be avoided. We don't want to do it foolishly, but there is some confrontation that is healthy confrontation. And the 11th commandment is no commandment. Thou shalt be nice. we rather break all the 10 commandments to keep the 11th one. So that we can appear nice. Sometimes confrontation is not, but accountability requires confrontation. But from a pure heart though, and from a loving intention. I mean... Think of your parent-child relationship, whether you're a parent or you're a child. You were confronted by your parents about something. They held you accountable for something. Now, this is not a perfect example, but generally speaking, their confrontation, them holding us accountable or you holding your children accountable comes from a place of love and a pure intention like you want them to do better they want you to do good and this that's because they love you right so in the church confrontation is going to be required by if we're going to embrace accountability but we do it from a from a pure heart and a loving intention Here's the Lord giving us the the standards of church discipline. Why do we confront somebody when they're in sin? If your brother sins against you, go and tell him. That's what you're supposed to do. That's very confrontational language. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. Confront him between you and him alone. If he listens to you, that is, if he recognizes how he sinned against you, then you have gained your brother. Then your relationship is that much stronger. Now, there's more to this church discipline. If he doesn't, as a clause, right? <laughs> if he doesn't, then bring two or three witnesses and, and confront him with two or three witnesses. That's the next verse. And then the next verse says, if he still doesn't, then bring him to, to the church. And then, if he still doesn't, then just treat him as an unbeliever. Then your relationship is completely, not necessarily completely severed, but it's, it's broken. But even then, at some point if he returns, you're supposed to bring him back. We see this playing out in First Corinthians when Paul it's not, it's not in your notes. But um, in First Corinthians, Paul talks about a, a brother who has a prominent position in the church who is doing some egregious, like unheard of, like sleeping with his stepmother type of deal. It's like, this is not even like what the world does around. And you guys, you guys propping this guy up? No. Like, kick him out. Excommunicate him. Put him under church discipline. And they do that. They were obedient to that advice. (laughs) And in 2 Corinthians, then he writes about the same brother. Because that same brother now has been repentant and has turned from his sin and now embraced righteousness and they were now saying, nah, man, we're we're done. We're done with you. And he's saying, no, take him back. So the goal of confrontation is not so that we're forever fighting and we're forever divided. The goal of confrontation is to bring us together. That's why This accountability requires a pure heart and a and a loving intention. I think Basu has something. Before I move on to the next
2: point, so this is like something that's
1: interesting to me, and I wanted some advice about. So it says, if your brother sins against you, against you, not against God directly. Yeah. But offends you and then indirectly offends God. So, like dealing with that is something that I want to advice about How do we, you know, live that life where if we if we have offense against somebody, just forgive them, as Paul says, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like hold our brother accountable to the way he offends us. Yeah. Not just the way he offends God. Right. The way he actually offends us. Yeah. How do we do that?
0: By telling him his fault. <laughs> <laughs> it seems so self
1: so, centered so I, I don't know how like, to it seems like I'm so concerned with myself if I'm really spending time about taking away somebody better me. Right. But Jesus said so much like, I think about that.
0: Time. So because you tell somebody that that their behavior is offensive to you. Um, that doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them. Like so the forgiveness piece is such that uh, you're not going to hold that against them, right? You're not going to make that offense be the foundation of your relationship going forward. That's not that's not where your relationship is. But the brother or the sister or needs to know so they don't keep doing that because just like they're not perfect we're not perfect either so i can forgive once or twice or three times but but then over time i may it may they may end up being a stumbling block to me like i don't want to sin against you you can even frame it that way i don't want to sin against you by holding this against you but what you said offended me right like like I don't want to I don't want to thin Because this is such a subtle way that our mind works our sinful heart works Where we kind of just take it and we become passive aggressive to them And they'll eventually pick up on the aggression part no matter how passive we are So why even give space for that passive aggression to take hold of your heart why you can just hey this is this is what it is i'm going to move on once i tell you especially if you if you listen to me now if you keep doing the same thing over and over and over again then i might have to address it and i might have to take two people with me and say hey the sin keeps happening i keep reminding you of it and you're not even you're not even willing to hear me out. Maybe you'll hear us when we come together. And we're not doing it so because we're so self-centered. We want to make sure that you remain our brother. We our relationship remains intact. I'm not doing it to break you. I'm actually doing it so that we can stay tight. Um, so that's 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 the heart. That's the intention. Um, and we don't want to go down to that rabbit hole of like, how do I actually know the intricacy of my intention? Am I really doing it? We don't want to. We don't want to go there, um, because we don't. We can. We can. Who can ever know it? Is what what Jeremiah says about the condition of the heart. The answer is no man, but God knows it. So, in as much as we know, that's that's. Um, I don't know if I. So
1: how do we avoid like being overly estimating our our value and you know really do practice overlooking offenses, but at the same time holding people accountable? Like, we're talking yeah, about like overlooking offenses. Yeah. But at the same time, you have that freedom that I mean,
0: like, all almost the holding right them accountable. Yeah, I would I would go back to Paul's standards. That he held Peter on, this goes against the truth of the gospel. Like, if it's overtly going against the truth of the gospel, then we can—that's—that's that's it. Like, there's no, there's no negotiating that, there's no compromise on that. As opposed to, okay, this may be something that I might have to work on myself, and and, and so I can overlook it this time. So it's. Maybe thinking, thinking from that, um, f- from that perspective might might help. But the Lord knows. I don't know. Ultimately, I don't know, right? <laughs> um, because those those things are so nuanced and so subjective. Like the Lord would have to reveal to you exactly how to manage that as as it happens. Yeah. But tell you I had something. Uh, those, oh, I sorry. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think I can also relate to them to a degree um, in a sense where in practical living these questions can get complicated a little yep. bit um, but like the, the scripture has more counsel to this, to this effect yep. Like things like love covers a multitude of sins yep. like, we're not talking about picking up everything Biting over, you will be tired of life, <laughs> right? Um, but like, if someone is like, let's say, severely judgmental, judgmental, or if something serious is happening where you can't even fellowship or spend time with one another, it's just a big deal. You know, and you can't just have the relationship. Yeah. So I think then it's better to say, "I'm sorry." Like, it's not even the sin that bothers me, but we can't even spend time now. We can't even have a conversation now, so this is a big problem. Yep. Let's figure it out. Yep. and I think that tone, as you said earlier, with which or in the intention, as far as we understand it, matters a lot more than yeah, uh, the words. I mean, uh, the actual thing that we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, the tone and the intention really matters than um, how successful we're going to be in the conversation.
0: That's good. No, Patel, I I got you. Um I guess like I understand like like a
1: pure and
2: loving heart. I don't know if i am got to the point that you already I I don't know what it going. Go ahead. <laughs> Go for it. But um like what if you're just really angry? And 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 Yeah. I don't think it's a good idea. to
0: confront somebody when you're angry? Oh absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And that's 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 what we come back to it, right? So like when somebody has a speck in his eye, which is the offense, and you're angry, now the log is coming out of your eye, Jesus is telling us. Get that out of your eye, so that you know exactly how to to confront that person without the anger, right? Because you already have the log of anger hanging out of your eye, and then you can't go to him and say, "Hey, get that speck out of your eye, like, dude!" Like you have a whole log coming out of your eye. So this is this is we go back to what what the Lord says about um, how we are to confront one another, right? Um, we're to confront that. So if you're angry, just let your yeah, anger pass and then go from there. Yeah. I think
1: it's easy to get angry when it's like something against you. So, Like, what if you're just frustrated in the terms of, like, I don't know, like, you know, that's not
2: how maybe your brother or sister should be living their life. Yeah. And it's getting you really frustrated. Yeah. Because so you can see how it's like impacting them. Yeah. Like, so it's not necessarily an offense to you. Yeah it's just the way they're living. Yeah. 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 I I
0: don't know. It is. Because you're concerned about their well-being, right? That's that's where accountability lies. It flows out of concern for, for one another. So absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. I usually tend to snitch on my brothers and sisters to their dad, right? <laughs> 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 um if you you know like praying for them or is it like lord i guess i know you see this right like you, you see this right like i'm not i'm not the only one seeing this right like help me help them right um so even that could be the attitude that you would take out of concern and that should really be the first step before even engaging before even confronting we should always, like, because our, our, we should always go to God because our relationship with each other is as pure and as deep as our relationship it is, is with, with our Father in heaven, right? So, like, our vertical connection with God is just as important with the horizontal connection we have with one another. So if those things are aligned, then we are we're able to do that. So when this causes problem, the first place to go is up, and then from up it comes down and goes back out. If that makes sense. Um, now.
1: Not against but you sending and Yeah
0: yeah and so if that's that's your brother who has a speck in his eye and if you if you have a relationship with him like are you concerned that sin is hurtful to that to, to them yeah so it does apply to them and as much as it applies to you directly because they might today they might just be sinning against God so to speak and it's not affecting you it is affecting you by the way like, if I go out and, and commit a sin, it's going to come back and say, oh, the guy that, that." it's going to affect you. Like, personally going to affect you. Your, your, your heart is going to be broken. You're going to be discouraged. So it's going to affect you. So, yeah, it applies. It carries. So, the last thing I would say about this, um, especially talking about confrontation it's not intended to invade people's privacy. Right? That's why most, most people in church settings don't want to do like small groups or one-on-one discipleship or like, you know, like invite me into your house or you come to my house type of deal. Like we want just, to just be our... Because there's this sense that accountability with this confrontation, is there to invade your your privacy. It's actually supposed to, or its purpose is for helping others with their fight against sin. That's all we're doing. Like you're fighting this sin. I want to stand right there next to you while you're fighting this sin and, and fight with you. That's why I want to know. Not to invade your privacy and then, like, subtweet about you. I don't even have Twitter or X, whatever it's called, right? Like, that's not the culture we want to embrace, by the way. Like, to make it, to bring it home to us and to what we're doing, this is not the culture that we're going to embrace. The culture we want to embrace is, like, I want to stand next to my brother and my sister whenever they're dealing with something I want to know about it not so that I have like enough gossip com- topics for me but so that I can I can stand next to them if anything in prayer so that I can help in their battle with sin I want you to come stand next to me and i I'll, I'll let you into my, my 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 world so that you can stand next to me in my battle with sin. And that's why Paul says in Galatians 6, 1 and 2, Here he tells the brothers, the church, if anyone is caught in any transgression, don't celebrate about it. Don't gloat about it. Say, did you hear that such and such did that? If you're spiritually mature, those who are spiritual should restore him accountability happens for that reason to restore him in a spirit of gentleness keep watch on yourself lest you too be tempted to bear one one another's burdens when we are being accountable ultimately as a church we are fulfilling the law of Christ And this, kind of back to Basu's point I'm, I meant to mention that earlier, this spiritual attitude of accountability does not exist in a vacuum. It exists in a community that is obedient to God's will and His spirit. It exists in a, in a community in a church that, that is humble, that, that is marked by humility, that is loving. That exists in that community. That, that 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 is actually diligently preserving their unity, working hard to preserve their unity. It happens in a community, in a church, in, in a setting where we are actually willingly serving one another, not out of compulsion, but willingly serving one another. It happens in a community where everybody is pursuing self-discipline individually and as a unit. So, if it happens in a community like that, accountability kind of just, it's almost like what you were saying this morning when you were preaching about sanctification, and I think yeah, they'll ask you that question. It just follows. <laughs> right? It, it just flows out of that. Because all of those things are related to one another. So, based on that, we have that Affirmation, if you want to call it, or that that statement, which I think by the time we get to ten, we'll have a pretty solid idea of what our. We might even have that adopted as a like a church covenant, like this is what we promise to to do for one another with one another as a community. So we we can we can have that. This this one says we the Remnant Bible Church are resolved to exercise accountability. Both in our personal holiness and in the lives of one another why in order to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ as the head of our church that's our ultimate goal guys that's why we are embracing and pursuing this spiritual attitude of accountability would that be